Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I've picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Well, we're going to put a lid on 2020 and start up 2021. I wanted to give you some updates on this year-end podcast edition on what's coming up in 2021 and what I think that we should be keeping our eyes on. There's been a lot of movement with insurance. ADA has been very busy. The government's been very busy. There's been a lot going on regulatory-wise that affects all of us in dentistry. Now, I know most of you are thinking, yes, we know all about this vaccine and we know all about the testing. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the regulatory issues that are going to impact the insurance and revenue side of the equation. So let's get into it. It's going to be the kind of podcast where you're going to need to probably replay it uh, one or two times, and that's okay. I spent a lot of time writing this up and a lot of it changed as the elections went along and I also had to update it too and had to reread it a couple times before I presented it to you. So I would not be surprised if you have to go back and re-listen to this. I'm also going to play this at the beginning of 2022 and see how much of it actually came to pass with all of this legislation. Let's get started. Before you dive into the recording, I do need to make a correction up front. When I start out talking about the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, that applies actually to the third section of this where we talk about the McCarran-Ferguson Act. In the beginning, I was referencing the National Council of Insurance Legislators, and I had so many acronyms open on my page that I mixed up the acronyms. So when I went into explaining the Commissioners Association, that does apply, but for point number three. So hopefully that is going to clear that up. I apologize for the error. There is an organization called the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. It's what the insurance industry looks to. So the insurance commissioners, each state has one. They have somebody who's in charge of insurance in their state. It's not just dental. It's health insurance, property insurance, life insurance, basically anything that has some sort of insurance product it's going to be regulated by the insurance commissioner of the state. Now, if it is something that's federal, I'm not going to get into that too much. If it's something that's a federal issue, then it will go, of course, the government, the federal government will take care of that. But for the most part, most insurance issues in the state are covered by the state insurance commissioner. Well, they all have an association that they get together with, and they also meet with industry leaders and, of course, the lobbyists from these different industries. The ADA and other organizations that have membership that they represent, they also attend these meetings. Now, the ADA has been very active in these meetings, along with the AGD and other dental organizations. They've been very active by letting them know what would be best for the provider, which is really one of the big reasons I do believe in membership, because there's nobody else out there that's really advocating for you. Now, this set of insurance guidelines that the ADA presented to the insurance commissioners 
was really full of good things for us. And so I just wanted to go through a couple of those before we move on to something called surprise billing, which I think is going to be very interesting. I am just excited to bring you all this information because there's so much going on that I will definitely try to keep you updated through the year, but there's just a lot going on. And I think that there are a lot of provider friendly things going on. And so I just want to share all of that with you. Okay, so let's talk about the ADA's recommendations. So they presented a letter, and I'll link that in the show notes, that basically said, hey, if this were done, it would be a lot easier on providers. They laid out, you know, reasons why, examples, and basically are showing that there's undue administrative burden on offices. And that's something that I want you to think about undue administrative burden. It's something that's used in lobbying and legal issues. I mean, you you hear about that all the time. We may be used to all that undue administration because that's just what we do all the time. Imagine if some of those were taken away and we didn't have the issues that we do. Let's go into why this one is going to impact you if you're participating. Network clarity. They talked to the commissioners about network clarity they talk to them about virtual credit cards, and they talk to them about prior authorizations. Now, keep in mind, these are the guidelines that the ADA submitted and the commissioners accepted them. They're going to adopt these recommendations for dental insurance guidelines. The key word is recommendations. So this doesn't mean that MetLife, Delta, Aetna have to adopt these recommendations but they generally do. I know there's going to be a lot of thinking on the back end with these carriers. They're going to have to take a look at their formulas and how it's going to impact them monetarily. They have stockholders, they have shareholders. That's what they do. They are in the business to present a a return on investment to the shareholders. I don't begrudge that. Business is business. We are also in the business of providing good dental care. However, we are also in the business of turning a profit so that we may continue and provide competitive benefits. We all know this. This is the long game of the business world. So all of these recommendations are important, but not a guarantee that they're going to be actually adapted, I'm sorry, adopted quickly. I know quickly is is out of the question uh, because we're going to need to, they're going to need to go back and check and, and, and have some things done. There's websites to be updated and all of that. Let's go over the network clarity piece. So The ADA asked them to provide network clarity, which gives the providers the ability to opt out. Now, that's something that you think is there, but it does take a long time to opt out and also takes a long time to have these provider directories updated. Providers are not to be terminated because of opt-out decisions. And what that means is if you're dealing with a leasing arrangement, if your name is being leased out or it's been bought by another carrier, your name is now attached to a different network that you may not have anticipated. If you are able to opt out of that network, then the bigger network, the umbrella network, should not reject you because of that. And so that's very important because I know a lot of you are holding on to certain networks because you don't want to get dumped from the big umbrella. I get that. The leasing contract, too, has to adhere to the original contract, has to have the same terms or similar terms to the original contract. That's very interesting. So MetLife may lease you out, just giving examples. And another company, Acme, comes up and says, yes, we want to lease that network, but we also want to include this, this, and this as as different contracts. Well, you didn't agree to that. And so there needs to be some sort of uniformity with the contracts. 
um, the leasing company is going to be the one that has to conform to that. It shouldn't be on us to have to go through, you know, 10 different contracts and know the difference between 10 different contracts under one umbrella company. The ADA has asked that they let providers know 30 days prior of the leasing arrangement status. So if you get uh, leased out, you need to be aware of that lease 30 days prior to that. You know, this is helpful not just to get ready for it, but your messaging. You may be getting calls from patients who you may not know that are already out there, you know, with your name. I know that that happens right now. You get put on a network and the next day you get a call and you have no idea what's going on. And some voice in the phone tells you, oh yeah, you're on that network. Very, very frustrating. The other part of this is that the carrier's website that has to list the relationships and it needs to be updated at least every 90 days. So if you are, let's say, Umbrella Inc., you're an umbrella corporation. If you are in contracts with other organizations, you need to list all of those on the website so that me, John Smith, dentist, is going to sign up. I know at least who your players are. Now, terminations need to trickle down within 30 days. This is another uh, sticky point. A lot of offices don't like this. When you go to leave a network, uh, it should be you know, pretty much pretty easy to sever those ties. But the terminations take a long time to trickle down through those other networks. And so sometimes you find yourself on a list as being in network when you terminated, you know, 60, 90 days ago. So this is a request that the ADA put in. I think it's a good request. Also, if you request a copy of your contract, it needs to be sent to you within 30 days from the provider request. Okay. So those sound really good when it comes to network clarity. I think that's pretty awesome. The exception is, and this is when they have to list who all of their affiliations are and, you know, give you all of this ahead of time, 30 days and all of that. If the network, it's an affiliated carrier or a subsidiary with like branding, the biggest example that comes to mind is Delta having Delta Premier and Delta PPO. If for some reason you are put on Delta PPO, go with me here. I know that that's not going to happen in the way that I'm explaining it here. But say you get pushed onto a Delta Plus and you didn't expect to have that happen. Those rules that I just read to you really wouldn't apply because this is an affiliated carrier, has the same branding, has the same look. Those are exempt, but they do need to be listed on the carrier's website. That little sentence uh, that's found in the, in the letter is going to need some clarification. I definitely will be following up with this to make sure I understand it correctly. I think I explained it as well as I could, but I just want to get some examples so that I know exactly what they mean uh, before I start going out and lecturing about it. So the next part of the letter that the ADA sent was concerning virtual credit cards. So virtual credit cards, you all know, they've been problematic. There's a lot of people out there that are getting virtual credit cards and they never agreed to them. So there should be a way to opt out of that. And that's really important because you you shouldn't just be, you know, faced with having to take the credit card, especially if you did not agree to it. And so that's been that's been pretty interesting. Let me, I'm trying to pull it up here so that I can show you this. All right. And I definitely will be linking all of this onto the show notes. So they're asking that no dental benefit plan contains restrictions on methods of payment and from the, from the carrier or its vendor. And it's going to notify the dentist. The carriers are going to be asked to notify the dentist if any fees are associated with a particular payment method. We all know that virtual credit cards come with a processing fee when it's entered into our terminal. 
it, it's not necessarily paid directly to the carrier. So I, I'm curious to find out if even notifying them that there's a merchant processing fee that may apply, that would be very interesting to, to find out about. So they also have to advise you of the available methods of payment and also provide really clear instructions to the dentist on how they're going to do this. So they also are not, not going to be allowed to charge a fee. Again, hopefully the guidelines pass not to charge a fee solely to transmit or to receive payments. And I don't know of any that's doing this. So I hope that this is just a more of a precautionary method. But if you have a carrier that's charging you to take EFTs or virtual credit card payments, then you're in the wrong carrier network. That that's just should not happen. So hopefully you're not in that situation. So let's talk then about prior authorization. So this is pretty interesting. So you know, I'm not a fan of the term prior authorizations. And if you've listened to me speak on this, then you know where I stand on this. Pre-authorizations to me are a, first of all, a lot of offices use them as a crutch just so they, they know exactly what's going on with the patient's payment. You know, they'll say to the patient, let's wait on this and let's find out exactly how much is going to get covered. Well, you know, we kind of lose track of patients sometimes with that if you're not very organized with it. I also have issue with the term authorization. You know, if you ever hear that an authorization is denied, what do you automatically think? That you shouldn't have it done or it's going to be way expensive and you shouldn't have it done. And a lot of times that's not the case. It may just be, you know, a smaller amount than the patient expected. And when they see the words not authorized, well, that makes them think that maybe they don't need to have it done, shouldn't have had it done, whatever. I just don't like that term. I would rather you call it a pretreatment estimate. That's my preference. Uh, it really is an estimate. Now, I said something earlier, and I don't want you to mistake what I mean. I like that you're using preauthorizations if you are unsure of your job. You're new on the job, and you're sending them as a way to make sure that you know what the benefits are that are coming back. However, that shouldn't stop you from making the appointment. What I was talking about earlier is some offices send the pretreatment estimate out and don't schedule. I would rather you make the appointment, say, you know, Mrs. Jones, I'm going to send this in. We're going to find out exactly what's going to be covered by the carrier. I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to fall between the cracks. Let's go ahead and get you scheduled for XXX and put them in the schedule, what, two weeks out, three weeks out, something like that. Then tell the patient, you know, if this comes up back and it's, it's really different than what I just explained to you, what my estimate was then I will call you and let you know. And so I don't want you to use it as an excuse to not schedule the patient. And beware, patients will use that as an excuse to not schedule too. So make sure that you uh, have all of that ready to go. And for some of you, you I know that you've uh, bought the book or, or gotten it for free from Care Credit. My book, Moving Your Patients to Yes, Easy Insurance Conversations. There's a lot of conversations and a lot of um, verbiage in that book to handle all of those situations there. Okay, let's get back to the Prior Authorization Payments Act. And so I'm going to call it Prior Authorizations for the sake of this letter. Now, this is pretty cool. I am really happy that they did this. So they basically, let me just read it to you, the letter from the ADA, which again, will be linked. Uh, it prohibits dental carriers from denying, revoking, limiting, conditioning, or otherwise restricting pre-approved dental care claims or claims approved in prior authorizations. So if you get some sort of pretreatment estimate back and it's got the numbers on there, you're basing your estimates on those numbers, and then you send it in and it comes back, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna cover that. Or they ask you to resubmit all of the information all over again. It's really nice that the insurance commissioners have adopted this part of it. I, I really like this. 
However, there are some exceptions and, and they're good exceptions. I mean, actually, this makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm glad that they have this because patients, you know, they need to be a part of this as well. They have benefit limitations that they need to adhere to as well. So if the patients reach their yearly benefit, if there's frequency limitations, maybe they've already had their bite wings and you're, you're charging out two bite wings. If it's a contract design that would normally not be covered because of frequency or they have reached their maximum or the deductible has applied, then of course that's not going to be covered. And that wouldn't have been covered anyways. The pretreatment estimate, that would have paid out otherwise. And of course the, the deductible would have applied, any yearly maximum would have applied. So that really doesn't change too much. If the documentation has changed dramatically because the treatment plan has changed dramatically, well, I don't blame them for that either. If they, if you send in a treatment plan for a partial and you then you send them a claim for a bridge, you know, I, I understand you're probably only going to get payment for the partial because of, you know, the least expensive alternate treatment clause. However, they're completely within their rights to ask for new information because it's different than what you had sent in. So I get that. And of course, you may have different recommendations to the patient. They may have a different condition. So at that point, you know, you may need to send in additional documentation. But honestly, these are typically auto-adjudicated situations. And I don't know if that's going to change because maybe some carriers are really going to take a look at the high dollar amounts that pretreatment estimates um, will contain. So it's still a little bit fuzzy on that. I, I'd like to think that they're not going to change up their procedures because really, really they were doing this anyways. So I, I hopefully that's not going to change too much. And also if there's another payer that's responsible for payment, of course. So if the patient has two different plans and maybe that plan suddenly becomes secondary because now they have their own insurance, then of course the secondary pretreatment estimate is, should not be responsible for it because now there is primary insurance that is uh, in place. And also the claim was submitted fraudulently. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. It's not going to surprise you if it's denied. And a lot of it has to do with common sense, deductible yearly benefit, fraudulent, uh, different insurances in effect. That's really all that's about. And I just, I think that's nice that they're giving us a little bit more firm footing when it comes to the pretreatment estimates. One other point about this is that just because they have adopted this again, remember the insurance carriers are under no obligation to adopt them. However, they typically do. Uh, same thing with non-covered services. It was a, another recommendation from the ADA to the National Council, and they were able to get that done. And then, you know, the other carriers started to pick that up. And you know that many of the states out there now have non-covered services laws. Oh, I wanted to make a correction. I've been calling it the National Commission of Insurance Commissioners, and it's actually the National Council of Insurance Legislators. I have totally messed up my acronyms. I've got acronym soup here on my document, so I apologize for that. Again, it's the National Council of Insurance Legislators. Okay, let's move away from that particular topic, and I wanted to bring up the second topic, which is surprise billing. So surprise billing, very interesting. It passed as part of the budget plan. What it basically says is that we should be able to give, and, and really this right now applies to the medical field, hospitals, medical providers. I didn't see anything in the verbiage about dental plans, but you know what? When something happens in medical, I always sit up and take notice of it. If anything, what happens in medical drives consumer behavior towards dentistry. So it's really important to take a look at all of this and kind of keep an eye on it and how it, it comes to pass. Basically what it says, again, is that we should be able to give a clear amount 
for what the patient's getting done. Now on the medical side, you guys know their carrier situation is there's so much more to balance and juggle. If you think you're dealing with a lot of carriers on the dental side, go visit a medical office and see all the binders that they have to keep track of all their networks. It's crazy. Interestingly enough, the American Hospital Association is opposing this. Now, why are they opposing this? Because they feel it would be an undue administrative burden on them, and it's going to be tough to uh, get all this going. There's an urgency to this because it, this is supposed to take effect January 1st. That's quick, right? That's really quick. And the Center for Medicare Services has basically said, hey, we're going to start taking a look at this. We're going to just start throwing something at the dartboard and seeing which, which hospital to come and check, and we're going to do a sample audit. Well, there's nothing that strikes fear uh, more in, in, in a hospital administrator's heart than audit. And so they're, they are opposing this. And so they've written a letter to at least have this implement, implementation de delayed past January 1st, because that is, that is pretty quick. But again, it may not affect dentistry, but what it's basically going to do is it's going to force hospitals and carriers to be more clear with the pricing. It's a little bit different on the medical side. A lot of times they'll send in the pricing and they have no idea what the pricing is going to be, the, the hospital does. And then there's negotiation. So you may think that you're getting, say, $1,000. Then there's negotiators that come into play who work for the carriers who say, hey, we'll pay you $800 today if that's what you'll take. And you're like, wait a second, I'm supposed to get $1,000. Well, it works. And that's why you get these calls. So it, it's really a different animal over on the, the medical side. It's, it's pretty interesting. If you know anybody who works in medical administration, you know, have these conversations. Your eyes are going to open. You're going to realize, we don't have it so bad here in dentistry. Just a, a interesting, uh, and I'll put this in the, the links as well. There was a court case recently where they were trying to get to the heart of how much an x-ray costs. And the carriers could not come up with one price. They kept giving you this price if this fee schedule applies, this price if this fee schedule applies. And it got really, really crazy. And the judge on the case said, there's no reason why an x-ray price is unknowable. And, and that was pretty interesting to read. And, and so if a judge is sitting there trying to make you know, sense of it all and they can't, well, of course, it's not going to be easy for all the rest of us as well. So they are opposing it. And let's move on away from there because what does it mean to us? Well, if patients are going to be used to or expect more transparency from the hospitals and the medical providers, then they're going to expect it from us. And that's just, you've seen it come down the pike. Anything that happens in medical does eventually make its way to dental, sometimes not fast, but sometimes super fast. I mean, we've seen telehealth make its way over to dentistry pretty quickly. And of course, COVID had something to do with that. Now, I just want to say, anytime something affects consumer behavior, we need to sit up and listen. We need to take note. One of the prime examples that I give of us making it really difficult to work with patients is that we, a lot of times offices will not have any kind of chat or any kind of way to reach the office or their phones are not manned, you know, really well. Sometimes we make it really hard for a patient to become a patient. Well, when patients start expecting ease of entry into our office, you know, via our website or via the phone they're going to start, you know, they've expected it other places. They've gotten immediate responses from Starbucks, from their airline. They've gotten immediate responses from 
the hair salon. So we need to be up on that too, because it's not a dental trend. It's an overall consumer trend. And we need to be aware of that. As of the time of this recording, the complete budget plan had not been officially passed, although there's been signing and hopefully this was pretty much ignored during all of the negotiations. So I don't have any, I don't have any reason to think that this isn't going to go through, but you know, 2020 has been a hell of a year. Okay. Let's go on to the last and final item that I want all of us to keep an eye on. This is going to have a lot of dentists very happy. And it is the, it's something called the Competitive Health Insurance Reform Act. Well, if you don't know about McCarran-Ferguson, it is a way for carriers to basically be regulated by the state and having the state handle all of the insurance regulation. We talked about that before with the, the legislators. Well, what happens if there's collusion going on over state lines? What if there's a bigger network that goes over a bunch of state lines? What, what happens with that? Well, McCarran-Ferguson limited to, to the states. I'm getting really technical here. And so basically, they were insurance companies have been immune from antitrust laws. So basically, they could create you know, really big networks and force competition or get rid of competition in the area. One example of this is, you know, if you, and let me just back up a second. If you go to my podcast history and look up the podcast, and I'll link it in the show notes, where I break down the Delta Dental lawsuit, one of the allegations of the ADA that, that the ADA brought against Delta Dental, which the case is still open, one of the allegations is that they restricted the um, sale of different deltas in different states. So you usually see Delta of Virginia only in Delta of Virginia, Delta of North Carolina only in Delta of North Carolina. The argument can be made that if these carriers could sell across state lines, it would lower the pricing, the premiums. And by not having that competition, the ADA alleges that they are artificially keeping the premiums at a certain level because there is no competition that's coming in. We all know Delta's pretty big. It's a pretty complex case, but I did break that down for you, and I will definitely link that in the show notes. So this is actually overturning that act, and hopefully what that means is it's going to encourage more competition. You're going to see more small carriers coming in, hopefully, and coming up with different contracts and plans. Something that happens when a company has a monopoly on an area there's not a lot of innovation that happens. There's not a lot of change in contracts because there's really no pressure to change. So what I'm hoping to see is that the carriers out there, when they come into the area, what they're going to do is start innovating their contract designs and benefit structures because they want to go to these employers who have been with the same insurance companies year after year. They want to go to these employers and say, hey, I've got something totally different. I expect we're going to see differently designed plans just because they want to innovate more in the market. I'm curious to see just how different these plans are going to be. You may see plans where it's just, you know, coverage for preventive and it's really low premium on that. You might see a plan that looks a lot more like an in-house dental plan. I know Delta Dental in some states has their own version of an in-house savings plan. Basically, you pay them you know, $200 a year, for example, and you have access to the fee schedule. You can go to any Delta provider. There's no claims to be filed. You just have access to Delta providers and Delta fees. That's the most important part. I don't know if this is going to impact us in the office fast because, of course, it takes time for a carrier to design a plan and to gain entry into a market. 
What I am curious though, going to the end of next year is how many of you will receive pitches from different carriers that will want to work with you? So you might see regional carriers now saying, okay, look, I can go into uh, more, uh, we can expand my region. We can get into more states. So I'm thinking, and again, this is just a, a prediction. I'm thinking you're going to see a lot more of the network leasing and crisscrossing going on because what happens with a lot of the smaller carriers is that they just don't have the workforce to go out there and do a ton of provider recruiting. Provider recruiting is very expensive, very expensive. You got boots on the ground, you've got sponsoring a program, sponsoring at schools, you know, constant contact with the providers to try to get them signed up. There's all the marketing materials. It's much easier for a new smaller plan to lease a network through one of the big umbrellas. So I have a feeling you're going to see a lot more names added to your umbrella networks. And again, if the ADA's uh, recommendations are taken where we they have to notify us of any of these new uh, networks that are being added or any of these new carriers that are being added, then that's good for us because at least we can go into it with our eyes open and again, the penalty would not be us being kicked off the network if we decide to not sign up with one of these new plans. So hopefully uh, the insurance industry follows suit and, and goes in line with what the ADA has asked the council to do. And I'm, I'm really excited about that because I know, and I have friends on both sides. I have friends on carrier side and I have friends on, of course, the provider side. One thing that I will say is that both sides will tell me that there's just a lot of admin work going on. More than they expected, the carriers have had to deal with us calling all of the time. It's more expensive for them. That's why you see them all moving to the websites. I think it's going to be very hard in 2021 to be on the phone a lot because you're going to get pushed to the websites more and more. So get, get good with your passwords. That's just going to happen. I really do think that as time goes on, insurance coordinators are going to have to really keep an eye out on these contracts. And I know a lot of you, when I talk to you in person, y'all are up on this too. So you, there's a lot of insurance nerds out there that are also keeping an eye on this. I just hope that we don't get to the point where the burden is too much for either side. So carriers are dealing with burden, we're dealing with burden. The thing that I hear the most is that we want to cut out the burden and hopefully this network clarity, having updated directories, having, you know, so that way the carrier doesn't have to get a call of, am I in your network or not, which I know we're all doing. Hopefully that eases the burden. It may seem like, it may seem like a hindrance at first for the carriers, but I'm hoping that it just is better for all of us on both sides. So there's a lot going on for 2021. 2020 is just, we are closing the door on that bad boy. I am glad that that year is over. I don't think 2021 is going to be the biggest difference, but it's an opportunity to turn the page and, and create a whole different year. And hopefully we feel a little bit more in control of 2021 than we did of 2020. I know for my own end of year message, I, I miss seeing a lot of you on the road. All, I mean, any of you, all of you on the road. Uh, you are why I do what I do, go out and lecture and speak and educate. You are why I do that. I enjoy seeing you guys learn. I enjoy the questions. I enjoy the challenges. I even enjoy just honestly, just sitting back sometimes and getting to know what's going on in your office and laughing because patients are crazy. 
I miss all of that. And I can't wait to get back in person to see all of you and to hear more wacky, crazy stories on the exhibit floor and, and what's going on in your office. I know that we're probably not going to get to that point until the end of 2021. So until then, you know, we've got webinars, we've got the podcast, and I'm going to, my New Year's resolution is to be much more regular with my newsletter than I was last year. And in the show notes, I'm also going to link you to an ebook that is available for free. I got together with some really good friends of mine and we put together a free ebook for you guys. It's got checklists. My part is the insurance coordinator, and I basically outlined what I think insurance coordinators should do. There's checklists, there's recommendations, there's also uh, what the job duties are. So if you're ever looking for what the job duties of an insurance coordinator are, they're there. And I also have some tips on participation and how to track that. There's a little tracker that comes with it. So sign up for that and get your copy. It is 100% free, and hopefully it'll be very helpful to you. Other people in that handbook, Kevin Henry talks about personality types. Rita Zamora goes over social media and frequency and what to post. Susan Gunn goes over reports. You know, she's just the, she's the QuickBooks and financial guru. Then we have Ginny Hegarty. She gives you a huge checklist on administrative duties. It's wild. And then we have Rachel Wall. Uh, Rachel was great. She's hygiene and she gave us a whole bunch of hygiene tips and verbiage. And so honestly, this handbook was a labor of love from all of us, and I hope that you enjoy it. So I am going to go ahead and wrap that up. And, and again, if you need to rewind this and listen to it again, nobody would fault you. I'm probably going to have to go back to my notes uh, you know, throughout the year and keep them updated, and I definitely will keep talking about this. So I want to thank you guys. Uh, 2020 was a, a crazy year, but I saw a lot of growth on the podcast, so you guys are either talking about it or you're passing it on. I really appreciate that. There's another podcast I started with Kevin Henry. It's called Chew on This, and it comes out alternating weeks. Uh, so if you know, you could do Nobody Told Me That one week and then the next week, Chew on This. And what we do is we talk about dental news and let you know what's going on in the world. And we kind of put our comedic spin on it. Uh, we've had a lot of good feedback on that too. So it's been a busy year. We have wanted to, you know, keep in touch with you as consultants and speakers. We wanted to keep in touch with you the best way that we could. And I've been very grateful for this podcast and, and your support in it. I get a lot of great email. And I get a lot of feedback on it. I'm very grateful. Every, I don't know if you notice this, but every time I sign off, I always thank you for spending your time with me. And I mean that 100%. I'm a huge podcast listener and I realize I'm going right into your ear it's a very almost intimate conversation that we're having. And I know that that's because you are giving me permission to do that, to talk to you. And I don't take that for granted. I just appreciate all of you more than you'll ever know. So until the next episode, I want to thank you again for your support over the years and this crazy year, especially, and for the time that you took to listen to this podcast today. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.